morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 16th of June, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with Mike Rauber. Then I'll be asking my colleague Tim Gagey for his latest thoughts on currencies and metals. And we're also joined today by Carsten Menke, who'll be giving us an update on gold. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Mike. So it's been a big week for central banks. Can you quickly summarise the decisions we've seen? Yeah. Good morning, Helen. Yes, certainly. The ECB raised its policy rate for the eighth time in a row as inflation remains in focus. The Fed hit the pause button after 10 subsequent rate increases, with a more hawkish formal outlook being balanced by comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell. China, in a surprise move, lowered its rate this week, and so it acknowledged that the economy is not doing as well as it had hoped for earlier this year. And just this morning, the Bank of Japan remained on its lonely, loose monetary policy island, just as expected. And looking at the performance of US equities yesterday, equity markets seem to be taking the decision by the Fed well. Is that right? Yes, indeed. Uh, We've seen uh, especially strong performance coming from the US, where bets that the Federal Reserve will end its tightening cycle sooner rather than later to prevent a recession added fuel to the already strong equity markets. So yesterday, the S&P 500 topped 4,400 points. And so it is now well above the August intraday high of 3,325 points, which many technical analysts looked at. And both Apple and Microsoft closed at all-time highs yesterday. So really, one can say a pretty strong market action. But the other big development in U.S. equities this week seems to be that the rally is broadening beyond just artificial intelligence beneficiaries, which had pushed major equity indices higher. So, for example, just yesterday, all industry groups in the S&P 500 index gained. And Asian stocks have also seen some good momentum this week. The Nikkei has risen 4% and also Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index has gained 3.3% in local currency terms. Can you tell us a bit more about developments there? Yes, indeed. Uh, We're also seeing broad strength in overall the Asia-Pacific region with stocks there on the, the way to their best week since early 2023. Just today, greater China indices are pacing the advance amid optimism for further further fiscal stimulus following the surprise interest rate cuts this week. This is also helping, by the way, oil to rebound uh, yesterday from earlier weakness this week. And turning uh, to Japan, uh, stocks, they were down right after the Bank of Japan stuck to its ultra-easy policy uh, in its meeting today, meaning it left its negative interest rate and yield curve control program unchanged. But reflecting the overall strengths uh, in Japanese equities, they've since erased early losses. Let's talk about the US dollar now. The dollar is stronger against the Japanese yen this week and also after today's Bank of Japan meeting, but it is falling against other peers. And so looking at global equity markets in US dollar terms, the returns look a little bit weaker. I guess the Fed hitting the pause button has weighed on the greenback, correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, That's correct, Helen. The US dollar is broadly weaker with the Bloomberg dollar index down over 1% as the US Fed is mostly done view is gaining traction in markets. Our own economists believe that if the Fed is as data dependent as it says it is, there is no need for further rate hikes. 
US monetary policy is very tight and will become even tighter as previous rate hikes work their way through the economy with the usual lag. Meanwhile, yesterday, ECB President Christian Lajard said that another rate hike in July is very likely, so giving a boost to the euro. And maybe interestingly, gold that tends to benefit from weakness in the US dollar is when I looked last, uh, it was flat on the week. But with our expert on gold, Karsten Menke, on the show today, I look forward to his comments and thoughts on this. And we could see some volatility in US equities today. I understand not for fundamental reasons, but for technical reasons. Why is this? Yes, that's absolutely correct, Helen. It is the expiration of a massive amount of options contracts tied to stocks and equity indices. This uh, means traders have to either roll over existing positions or start new ones. That usually involves portfolio adjustments that lead to a spike in volume and sudden price swings that are not fundamentally but technically driven. And maybe lastly, just to uh, end my comments today, there is not too much in terms of economic releases today. Although Eurozone main inflation figures and a survey by the University of Michigan on inflation expectations may make the headlines later today. But that's all for me. Thank you, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, Mike, for the roundup this morning. Now, Tim, good to have you on today's show. Good morning, first of all. Thank you. Good morning, Helen. The long-awaited central bank June carousel is almost over, with the Fed and the ECB announcing this week, as we heard. What did this all mean for currencies? Well, it meant a lot of movement, and I suspect it meant some dollar holders wondering if it is still not too late to shift their positioning a bit. We have felt for really quite a long time that a core dollar short position was the right overall position to hold. Um, Although after the dramatic pullback of last month, it became quite hard to have a high conviction or any clarity around when this would re-establish itself. We often say, yeah, we think the market's waiting for the Fed or the market's waiting for the ECB or non-farm payrolls or whatever. Most of the time, we're just waiting in order to wait some more again after. Yesterday, however, we saw some real activity as the already shaky dollar found some aggressive selling and the euro also found some buyers. We easily took out the 109 resistance in euro dollar and um, right now up to 109.50. Um, crosses have not moved very much if you look at uh, you know euro against uh, sterling or Australian dollars or whatever, because in the end, this is much more of a risk on market FX wise. And that means that buying Aussie dollars, Norwegian krona, Canadian dollars, whatever really also took place. And probably the only real outlier for reasons we understand is the yen. Otherwise, everything else has benefited versus the dollar. Overnight was more of the same. But the overall trend here looks quite well established for a move in euro dollar to 110. And who knows, maybe even this afternoon. There's still one big central bank to go with the Bank of England not announcing until next week. That doesn't seem to have held back the pound, though. Indeed not. In fact, if anything, the pound has found even more demand as the market seems more excited about the prospect of a rate hike than the event itself. Last time around, when we had this round of central banks and a delay before the Bank of England, the market really waited for that uh, Bank of England uh, moment before buying back some dollars, taking some profits or whatever. So it could be that we risk a buy the rumour, sell the fact type move next week once the BOE do confirm what the market expects, which would be a 25 basis point hike. 
Cable nonetheless still looks set to tell, test 130 before too long. And the size of this move, yesterday I was wondering if it was all a bit easy, but I think actually this may well be really what the um, what the market has been waiting for to really make a significant shift out of dollars. I prefer not to run too hard after such moves, especially if you're, if you're more tactical, um, but because I have been burnt before suggesting such things, but I would definitely want to stay at least partially in pounds, in euros, in Aussie dollar, whatever it is you might be uh, short dollars against. Um, because even if we see some corrective moves, I think these moves will be shallower. And I think waiting for a dramatic move back to say 122 in cable, 106 in euro dollar, whatever, is just overly optimistic. And as we speak, we just broke through 128 in cable. Did you see a lot of activity yesterday then with all these moves? Less than you might think, uh, which may just think about what's going on and how everyone's set up. So I think some people are well positioned. Some people have have thought about this and decided to hedge their dollar exposure, uh, which is great, in which case not much to do and they're willing to be patient. And uh, But I fear that some of the people who are less well positioned are still not yet ready to stop themselves out. And indeed, perhaps what we're seeing right now could be some of that. Uh, so what we might be seeing now could be a type of pain trade where people who are still short, um, sorry, still long dollars are just getting blown up and decided, okay, enough is enough. This is too painful and getting out of it. What I was thinking was that maybe the pain is still to come. I'm actually looking at the screens right now and wondering if the pain isn't coming right here, right now, because positioning wise, I still think that the move that will hit the hardest to the most people will be a significantly weaker dollar. Um, maybe we're not quite there yet for a, for a full throttle uh, sell-off trend. It is nonetheless quite close to the summer. But um, while a lot of people, I think the dollar exposure is probably from better levels than where we are right now, it must be getting closer and closer. So um, it's never too late, I would say, to take some action perhaps. Right. So yeah, you, you sounds like you think people should be taking action ahead of the holidays then. Yeah, I do. I mean, I always think that in the end, it always depends how you're positioned, right? Um, if you're in positioned well, then I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't double up on a short dollar position here because you think now we're going to like, you know, I don't know, 115 and you're a dollar. doesn't make sense. But it's never too late to hedge, I mean to say. And as painful as it might be selling on the lows, as might be the case with the dollar against a few things, in the end, these lows are short-term lows. Take a step back. The dollar has been much, much weaker than this not all that long ago. So there is plenty of room for further dollar weakness. And if you're very badly positioned, or maybe a better way of putting that, if you're very if you're not well positioned for a dollar sell-off, I think even right here, I'd definitely be thinking about how to adjust that exposure. I think that's probably all I want to say for today. I look forward to hearing uh, Carson's views on on gold uh, as it's uh, you know as uh, as he sees it. Um, and I wish you uh, an excellent weekend. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Helen. Great. Thanks very much, Tim. Great to get your thoughts. Now, Carsten, thanks for joining us today as well. Let's start with the big picture. Just a few weeks ago, gold seemed to be on track to reach new record highs, but prices have given away some of the gains now. Which factors do you see in the driving seat of the market at the moment? Yeah, good morning, Helen, and uh, thanks for having me on the show today. So, I think that early May, when gold was approaching its record highs, was quite a special situation. So this was when the debt ceiling debate intensified and worries started to grow that the U.S. might actually default on their debt. Related insurance policies, so-called credit default swaps, skyrocketed back then, and this also lifted gold. Now, with the benefit of hindsight and the debt ceiling debate out of the way, 
we may conclude that it added a price premium of around 80 to $100 per ounce of gold. Now, again, the focus is back on uh, the outlook for U.S. growth, U.S. inflation, and monetary policy. And in that regard, there's been quite some news flow this week. We had Mm -hmm. U.S. inflation on Tuesday and the Fed's interest rate decision on Wednesday. How did the gold market react to all this? Well, not that well. Uh, It was down on on both. So uh, Tuesday's mixed inflation report failed to soothe fears of more interest rate hikes by the Fed, which pushed down prices. And then on Wednesday, well, there was little relief from this expected pause in the rate hiking cycle as the Fed signaled its readiness to raise rates again and its expectation of an extended period of elevated interest rate levels. So that also put pressure on prices. But finally, yesterday, uh, as Tim alluded to, gold managed to regain some lost ground on the back of a weaker U.S. dollar, somewhat lower U.S. bond yields, which reflected, uh, well, weaker than expected U.S. economic data. Let's stick with the interest rate outlook for a moment. The Fed says they are not done, but we actually believe that they should be. Assuming we're right and they don't hike anymore, wouldn't this be good news for gold? Well, you're right. So we do not see a need for the Fed to hike interest rates further. So we believe that current levels are restricted enough to slow the economy down while inflation is anyway on a clear downward trajectory. That said, uh, we do not believe that the end of the rate hiking cycle will brighten up the outlook for gold as the yield level, let's say both in nominal and real terms, is too high to lure investors back into the market. So just stopping the rate hiking cycle is not enough, in our view, to change the outlook for gold. And I would argue that this already became very evident during the past few weeks. So despite rising recession risks and despite this debt ceiling debate, investors have not returned to the markets. Well, at least not at a sufficient scale. Investment demand was too soft to put prices on a solid footing or to push them to fresh record highs. Instead, The market was driven by short-term traders and trend followers. So in your view then, what would need to change for gold to reverse course and rise again towards record highs? I think it's, it's fairly simple in the sense that such a push towards record highs would only happen in our view if the US economy slipped into a broader based and longer lasting recession. This would likely lead to a rapid reversal of monetary policy, uh, which is already partly priced in, I would say. It would lead to a weaker US dollar, a much weaker US dollar, and it would also lure safe haven seekers back into the gold market. Excellent. Thank you very much, Karsten. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week when Bernadette will be back and she'll be joined by more of our colleagues and talking about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. 
They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.